and welcome to the Film at Lincoln Center podcast. My name is Michael Koreski. I'm the New York Film Festival editorial director, and I'm here with two very special guests who know a lot about the New York Film Festival. If you could please introduce yourselves. Kent Jones, the director of the festival. And I'm Dennis Lim, director of programming at Film at Lincoln Center. Thanks for being here. We also have a third person on the selection committee who couldn't be here today. That's Florence Almazzini. Unfortunately, she couldn't be here. Very she's far in, away right now. Yep, she's back in France. And she'll be sad not to talk about these films. She loves so many of them. Yeah. And so many of them are true Florence picks. But um, we love them all, don't we? Yep. Sure. <laughs> we'll cut that. <laughs> Well, but that's an, it's, no. I no, th- I actually feel like that. No, I think it's 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 okay to not love them all. Yeah, or that's to not the whole. Love them all in the that's same way, the whole point. That's why equally. there's not there's just there's, like one person. You know exactly. That's why there's a committee, and that's why we we don't yeah. expect that of the audience either. You know, no, we certainly don't. As a matter of fact, I would I would be disappointed. Yeah, if yeah. the audience felt like they had to like there, everything. There would be a single person out there who likes all twenty nine films in the main slate. But also, it's just, and also, we don't have any criteria other than. Is it a good film? It sounds really simple, but it also means different things to different people. Yeah, and I, I think for me, it's also like, does this film matter? Does it? Does it matter? Way, does it know? have a pulse? Yeah, and well, having seen the films this year, I can guarantee they have pulses. <laughs> I've, mm. I find a lot of these films truly um, invigorating, and it probably makes sense to start at the beginning. Kent, you have. Um, been very excited about our opening night film that's mm-hmm. martin scorsese's the irishman this is a film i think the entire film world and beyond um are very excited about if you could just give us a little taste of what we're going to expect from this epic movie well you know the other day i was talking to somebody uh and uh michael barker i think uh, for some story said, well, when was the last time you saw a $150 million movie opening the New York Film Festival? <laughs> so, the, you know, what do you think of that statement? I'm like, wow, what do I think of that statement? And I think of that statement about what I think about every time the amount of money spent on a film is mentioned. It depends on who's spending it and what they're spending it on. So if you're watching um, Avengers Endgame, the money spent on one thing. If you're watching Irishman, the money's spent on something else. And it's spent on time. And when I say time, I mean taking the time to get everything right. And when I say getting everything right, I don't just mean like, you know, the light and the clothes and the production design. I mean the nuances of the the behavior. This is um, Marty Scorsese and Robert De Niro and Joe Pesci and Harvey Keitel has a small part in this film. They're picking up from where they left off. Marty's actually described it as kind of like a, a summation. Um, and then they're able to work with Al Pacino for the first time altogether. So um, it's an absolutely magnificent piece of work. And it's, uh, you know, the world premiere. Um, and we won't go into too much detail about it. I think there's just so much we want people to discover about it. Mm-hmm. But uh, jumping off from that, um, just speaking again of Netflix and kind of the allowance that these budgets and these these um, these productions are giving filmmakers, um, Marriage Story, which is the centerpiece, that's mm-hmm. Noah Baumbach's film. When I was watching it, I had the distinct sense that if miraculously it had been financed by some other major American studio, you would not be seeing the film that we were seeing with Marriage Story. There are scenes that just cut to the quick. 
um, I, I found it to be an, like a true, use the word harrowing in your description of it, Kent. I, 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 I think you're completely right. I had a, an emotional overload watching this film and I just don't think that other American filmmakers are going to the places that this film goes to. You mean they're not allowed to because of the restrictions and the kind of yeah. internal and external checks that they're working Exactly. Under? I mm-hmm. feel like like there's mm-hmm. there's one centerpiece fight scene. Yeah, which is unbelievable. I do not think that you would be seeing in another American film. What do you think that um, is? Um, well, that's a very definitive statement. Um I know I, I think it's a remarkable work but um I but yeah I, I guess so I mean I, I I I do think it's harder and harder for American filmmakers to work on a certain scale and be allowed to take certain risks and that's I think right. that's sort of what Kent was you know talking about with with Netflix and and and, and the Irishman yeah. and and yeah it's obviously a different kind of risk you know in 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 marriage story um it is um I'm really happy to see this film being so, you know, well received so far. It's played like every major festival um, in the fall uh, before us, um, and yeah, I think I think it's a major work. I think it's I think it's one of his best films. Yeah, no, it's 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 stunning, and I mean, I I think that that's true for filmmakers all over the world. Uh, people are being squeezed; their budgets are being squeezed. Um, it's it's getting harder and harder for people to do serious work so and i think those pressures they're often financial but they take different forms there are different ways in which you know people mm-hmm. are not allowed or not encouraged to take risk or just the, the the idea of even of taking risk doesn't even come into it i mean like people don't even think they can make certain kinds of films but i i'm l- pulling back and looking at just the the scope of the main slate i'm really happy with like how different these films are and i think collectively you know the slate is a a testament to like just i don't know i've I've been i really hate this rhetoric about like cinema being decline and you know the death of cinema although there's some truth in obviously certain paradigm shifts have happened that have made then made things that are not encouraging let's say but um i i think you, you look at this slate of films and i think the medium is in a pretty good place as an art you know that's the shift I mean, yeah. you know, that's the big shift. It's not that cinema is in decline; it's that the the esteem in which cinema is held um, is and and the place that it occupies in like what's known as you know the cultural conversation, a term that I really hate. But you know, I mean, it, it's yeah. it, it has declined, um, but that has absolutely nothing to do with cinema. Mm. And New York Film Festival has always been a great bastion for this. Um, this is where you come to see risk-taking films and i think that's true this year as true as it's ever been one film that i would uh, i probably put highest in that um in that kind of categorization would be the new albert Sarah film oh. liberté the wow, suspense was killing there. me i didn't know how <laughs> really you were gonna, gonna start well if we're gonna talk about risk takers okay. i guess i guess it, it, it's a, it's also functions as a disclaimer for some audience goers but i i mean this is a movie that i'm yeah. really happy is playing at the don't New York bring Festival. your children but don't bring your children but i know support this support this type of film at least support that it's being shown in this venue yeah and i think it was very clear even at Cannes that this was a different kind of film it was like definitely the most radical thing i saw at Cannes this year i think probably the most radical thing i've seen in the official selection of Cannes in some Mm. time uh yeah and 
Sure. I mean, I think, but Sarah is, you know, he's somebody we've shown before in the festival. We showed mm-hmm. the death of Louis the Fourteenth. Um, this is his first time actually in the main slate. Yeah. Um, and he's, yeah, it's 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 a provocative film, uh, but I think it's a film that does seriously pose questions about desire and morality and like and how you represent you know sex and and like what can you actually represent on screen and um he's Sarah has always had a very interesting approach to you know um representing historical figures and historical periods um and I think this this film, which is actually a culmination of like a project which has taken different forms, he made an installation version of it. He made a theater version of it. Um, I think it's it it is fascinating as a as a kind of formal exercise in terms of like you know looking and being looked at. Um, and but it's also like a really uh, fascinating experience. It it's a film that really flirts with uh, tedium. You know, and I think in, in, in quite fascinating and productive ways. Um, it's a and great film about power. Yeah, too, yeah. You know? And I think it's definitely a big screen experience. Uh, it is, yeah. It's an immersive experience. And, 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 and kind of, I mean, hypnotic, I suppose, would be the word, mm-hmm. but it's almost like the characters are, hip, are, are in a state of mutually hypnotizing one another. Um, in the woods at night it's 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 quite a remarkable experience yeah i mean it's it's um again like this is the festival that showed solo this showed as many fast bender films as you can as you could probably rattle off i mean Mm -hmm. this is the kind of film that you can imagine certain festivals not wanting to show for let's not forget in the realm of the senses yeah and right in the realm of the senses got in trouble too um yeah, you know, it's 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 um, it's true, and that's that goes back to the original um, topic of the nature of the festival. Every festival is different. The nature of this festival is rooted in programming. That's where it started, and so the idea of um, it it is uh, risky. You know, it would be deemed risky by uh, a lot of festivals, and for us, it's like it's 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 an essential work of. Uh, movie making right of course the the risk taking of it wouldn't matter if it weren't such an aesthetically amazing yeah. work of art yeah, yeah, which yeah, it is yeah. it's one of those movies where every single composition you feel like your eyeballs kind of pop out yeah just it's just so so assured true um another film that i found to be extremely bold and risk-taking and which i i think i'm watching it unfold has been was one of the great pleasures of this year is uh, synonyms Mm. which is Nadav Lapid's film, Israeli filmmaker. He's been in the New York Film Festival main slate once before, correct? Yeah, he was actually in the main slate with his first film, Policeman, mm. um, nearly nearly 10 years ago now, I think. Yep. Um, and we also showed The Kindergarten Teacher and New Directors. So I think this is his third feature. And yeah, it's uh, this won the Golden Bear in Berlin, uh, the main prize. And it's... I don't know. I don't want to. I don't know how much to say about what what the film is, but it's about identity. I guess it's about masculinity. It's about um, specifically Israeli identity, mm. um, and it's based on you know. It's it's a. I'm not sure if it's ac- accurate to call it 
it's certainly personal, and uh, there are autobiographical elements. Um, you know, it's about a young Israeli man who goes to Paris and um, refuses to speak Hebrew. Refuses really everything about his about um, his identity. Identity, mm-hmm. and and he's been a soldier, right? Um, and I think, yeah, I don't, I don't think there there. Are, I think Lapid is a, a completely original uh, filmmaker. He's, he he works, you know, he's a filmmaker of ideas. You know, and I think um, that's true of all all his films. This film, as it's unfolding, as you were saying, I had no idea where this was where this was going, yeah. and there's something really exciting about that. Mm-hmm. And it really looks at rootlessness um, in, in, in a, um, and and being. I, I mean, there's an there's something that happens at the very beginning of the movie. I won't say what. That's just you know in, in the apartment. Um, that's just really he's dealing with something elemental and essential there um it's, it's very very uh, impressive yeah and and, and I it may be a film of ideas but he brings those ideas he, he gives organic life to those ideas yeah that's yeah. for sure and i think that to talk about the film you have to talk about that star um his name is tom mercier yeah i he's, believe he's... he hasn't acted in a film or at least he it's hasn't his starred first in a film role certainly and, yeah, yeah um it's wasn't incredible he, didn't he say that he was inspired by Beyonce or something? <laughs> there's a, there's an interesting interview where he was talking oh, about being that. inspired by dancing yeah. in a Beyonce video. Yeah, I think I read that yeah. because in my mind he's an, a dancer. Yes, and it's him. an extremely physical performance. Yep. Um, yeah, to put it mildly. Yeah, we're, yeah. we're not going to spoil some of the. I was actually thinking, as you you know, looking at the lineup, that there are some amazing performances by actors who I think people will be new to people. I mean, Tom Rezier is, is a brand new actor, but um, I think the actor in Martin Eden, Luca Marinelli, is extraordinary oh, as well. Just won, won a prize yeah, in just Venice. Won a prize in Venice. I yeah. think Virginie Efira, maybe not as well-known French actress, is, is excellent in Justine Trier, Sibyl. And I think there are a lot of performances, I think, that will um, that will stay with people. I think one of those that we have to talk about is Vitalina Varela, who has a film named after her. That's Pedro yeah. Costa's mm-hmm. film. Talk about it, a performance. Yeah. A performance, an embodied, you know, uh, I mean, in, you know, it's a person incarnating an essence of themselves within the world of cinema. And I mean, you know, Peter Acosta, I, we've shown a fair amount of his work and talk about somebody who has a difficult time getting his films made because mm-hmm. he makes them exactly the way that he needs to. And he makes them no compromises, very, very close right. to the bone with... But how your description um, of what was it that you described? Liberté of Liberté is like astonishing shot after astonishing that's, shot. That's, shot that's what's true. Well. This, this one is also yeah. the two for me. You know mm-hmm. that really mm-hmm. is just breathtaking. Yeah, like um, stunning. I watched it first on a small screen and then saw it in Locarno um, projector, and it is just an amazing, purely cinematic experience. Yeah, um, and I, I, I just want to say that. Pedro is somebody who very early on grasped how to work with digital. Yeah. Um, and in, in a Vonda, way that, yeah, yeah yes. in a way that a lot of people um, still haven't. <laughs> and I think that the way the, the the level that he's working at now visually, it just gets more and more refined with every new movie. Um, and yeah, the aesthetics, you know, that's on one level, but also like just the larger meaning of this project that keeps evolving you know i you you wonder yeah. where it's going to go working I mean, with right? all of because, these people from the yeah the, it starts 
with Osos, right? The, yeah. the sort of the, pr the the sort of more conventional film that he made in this neighborhood, and then you know goes moves into like a slightly more documentary mode within Vanda's room, and it's like such a materialist cinema, but then also one that keeps moving in like towards abstraction in some mm -hmm. ways, and and towards like you know myth and memory and dream and and, and then colossal youth. Yeah, is... and Horse Money seemed to be when I saw that film, I thought it was like maybe like you know the end point of something, mm -hmm. and yet he finds he finds somewhere else to go yeah. that's entirely logical and entirely yeah. in keeping with the project. Um, this film is so moving uh, and a lot of it has mm. to do with the presence of, of Vitalina. Um, it's completely grounded in his relationships with these people yeah. and their lives and the details of their lives. It's, it's yeah. I mean, ethically and aesthetically, I don't mm. think you can separate the films. You know, I think yeah. like it, it is, it is a film. It, it, there's no one else doing this. And um, the, this film just won the, Golden Leopard and Locarno, and it was really, you know, great to see him finally get like a big prize, a big acknowledgement. Um, and he'll be here, so we're it's always it's always great to have him. Um, you know, I, I I'm very excited to hear him talk about this film. Yeah. yeah. Pedro Costa's career has always struck me as being something of a miracle. Like, well, like you were saying, literally, Kent, that he gets them made. But in terms of, um, you know, a, a project that could seem redundant, it never does. He keeps developing. In terms of, um, you know ethical quandaries that seem to come up around these issues with other filmmakers mm -hmm. he'd somehow through the force of will and through his amazing um aesthetic ideas and his humanity just always circumvents them i mean these these films yeah. are just stunning. he's also very very um rooted in film history you know in the history in in, in i mean he you can see i don't mean that in in an academic way i mean he's somebody who you know really knows cinema from the inside out and so you know when you're watching his movies you can see the the presence of john ford and you know jean-marie straub and daniel louvier and you turner. know jacques turner for sure i mean he actually remade one of his movies more or less um and you know but that's something that's not always present in the work of 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 um it it, it kind of was up until recently i would say and there's been, there have been more and more movies i think where you feel uh that the cord is cut um and it's a very powerful thing for many reasons to watch pedro's films but that's one of them i think um a, th a thread that i'm picking up on among these films even though i know that um that's not how they're programmed at all these are just the best films but i th and it might be a sign of the times it might just be um a coincidence but there's a um a definite sense of estrangement through these films and since we were talking about synonyms we're talking about vitalina varela um i i also couldn't help but think about the new kiyoshi kurosawa movie mm -hmm. to the ends of the earth which is a completely unexpected film in every way that mm. i found really mesmerizing yeah, i have to say me too um so I don't, it's a movie you really don't want to say anything about right because the oddness of it mm. and the experience of that young woman as you're watching that film um is just kind of un the way that's delivered, the way that it's expressed, acted, dramatized, doesn't feel like any other movie. But if you could give a little bit of a well, intro. I don't think it hurts that movie to say that it's about a woman who's working on some crummy, you know, third-rate Japanese travel doc, like first-person experiential kind of like you know TV show with a Japanese crew in Uzbekistan, and so you know. <laughs> Um, they're in at the beginning of the movie they're in Bukhara and, and Samarkand and then the bulk of the film takes place in Tashkent and um, I was I thought that 
I, I was startled by the fact that it was a so funny. It was kind yeah, of freewheeling really in a way that it, none of his movies have been for quite a long time. And also, um, he's looking at something that's extremely real, which is the sense of displacement that you feel when you are far away from home, particularly in a culture that's that far out of uh, out of the way. Um, I've been to these places actually and you know so i for me it had a whole uh, another you know another level to it but it feels it should feel familiar and and resonant to anyone who's actually been like you know on the other side of the world and jet lagged and mm-hmm. you know doesn't know where to go or what to do and doesn't speak the language and is just figuring it out as they go along and then places that experience it to borderline absurdist situations well particularly with a with a an amusement park ride <laughs> that's which is, that which sequence is something but th- there's yeah. a sequence no, with, there's with a, a there's meal old, that she served in an amusement yes. park and scene after scene and they're almost like set pieces it becomes almost like a um, you, you, you don't know what you're being drawn into and that's very much in keeping with exactly Kyoshi's other films exactly yeah. and, and you yeah. don't know and once you're there you don't know how you're supposed to respond yeah. which is something that I really loved about that film yeah. she's yeah. having these she's constantly telling herself that she's supposed to be enjoying liking or appreciating something that she clearly isn't and yeah. that disconnect between yeah. what she's supposed to feel and how she yeah. actually feels I, is something that I don't really see yeah. in movies very much. It's also got a great musical number. It does. We're not going <laughs> to yeah. say anything we about, talk about that though. <laughs> two musical numbers. Yeah, that's right. Two musical numbers. You're right, Dennis. That's musical true. interludes, Sorry. I should say. I think there's one we're probably thinking of first when we say this. Um, well, I wanted to move on to something that has a, uh, another th- a theme of um, dislocation, which is a, a, a really a breathtaking movie. That's Atlantics. That's Matty uh, Diop's movie. Um, I'm sure a lot of film. people have heard about this movie at this point, but there will be a lot of people experiencing it for the first time here in New York, and I, I can only imagine that they're going to be stunned. Um, so if some, someone, maybe Dennis, you could explain a little bit about this movie, because it's also based on a, a short that she had made. Yeah, I mean, in in some ways, um, you know, she's. I, I think people are going to be blown away if this is their first encounter with her work. But you know, a lot of us have been following her career since she started making these amazing shorts. Um, you know, when she was really a student, um, and she's made a series of uh, shorts. The Atlantique was the was the one that I think you're thinking of, um, which is also about young men, you know, leaving. Um, Senegal um, by boat um, in search of you know economic opportunity, um, trying to head up to Spain and and the feature is I guess a also about that situation, but it sort of stays with the people who are left behind, in particular this young woman and her friends um, after these uh, young men who they know have have um, have been lost at sea. Um, Again, a film that you know I don't want to say too much about yeah, it. It takes a, it takes a, an unexpected um, turn. It departs from realism and in 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 surprising and a I very think rich very, yeah. yeah and imperceptibly yeah suddenly you're in this other place yeah mm-hmm. which is something she's done really beautifully in her other films as well mm-hmm. um, you know and I think she's. Uh, um, I think just that the body of work that she's she's made those charts in the feature she's I think one of she's got a lot of attention in Cannes obviously with winning a big prize um, but this feature is something she's worked on for many years and and it it's we've you know we've shown her work before and 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 we actually gave her an emerging artist prize here at Lincoln Center a few years ago so it's 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 great um, to see this film um, playing so widely um, another Netflix title she made a beautiful film called Meal Soleil that's a 
kind of a documentary response to a film that her uncle made, Gibril mm-hmm. um, Diop Mambetti. Who is also in the festival. Yes, he is. Yeah. So, yeah, we're showing in, in the revival section restorations of, of um, his last film, actually. And um, uh, she is, was was maybe initially known to a lot of filmgoers as, as an actress in Claire Denis' movie, 35 Shots of Rum. And it's interesting, I, I was... Talk, corresponding with Claire Denny about this film and she said oh I, I, I had to be there in con for that movie because you know that film is like a daughter to me mm. um, and um, it's uh, a movie that definitely feels th- where you can feel the kinship between the two of them but then it's wholly distinct as well um, but it's it's uh, what a beautiful film yeah a filmmaker truly in control of her craft and you just never get the sense that there's even a question about anything where it should be nothing's out of place Mm -hmm. um another filmmaker i feel that way about a lot is kelly reichert and i her so her new film is called first cow Mm -hmm. which is an interesting title that i'm still getting used to even though i've seen in like the film i've seen poor cow too i know i I mistakenly called poor cow a lot as well first Um, man this is this is a <laughs> <laughs> this is um sort of a, a mood piece in a lot of ways. I mean, there there it develops into a kind of a suspense narrative, which I sort of took me by surprise, and I sort of enjoyed. Mm-hmm. But what really struck me about it is just the the sense of life being lived in the time period, and this is set in the early nineteenth century mm-hmm. in the Pacific Northwest, which yes. is of course a favorite place of hers. Yeah. Um, what did where you, she lives. Um, yeah I think a mood piece which is something you could say about her other films too I mean you know they I I think they are narratives but like I think what you take away from Kelly's best work is just you know this the atmosphere of the films and I think this is a film that has a lot in common with um, a lot of points of contact with her other films you know you can think of her other period Meeks cut off work work, Meeks cut off her other film about like male friendship um, Mm -hmm. old joy um and yeah, it's it's it's. I think it's a very it's a very Kelly Reichardt film. It's a, it, it's also an immersive experience in in one sense, uh, in terms of the the period detail. The the closest film point of comparison would probably be McCabe and Mrs. Miller. You know, I mean, it's just not on that elaborate a scale, but where you know you, there's a lot of attention devoted to getting you know frontier life and the extremities of it you know, accurate. Um, yeah. I mean, th- again, not to say too much about the, the plot, but, and, but though there is, there's one, um, oh, it <laughs> certainly is. Certainly yeah. is. It, it kind of takes a while to make itself apparent, but, yeah. um, there's a, he's, um, he's a cook who's sort of taken up with some fur trappers. He's come from, yeah. he, he's, come well, let's from not give away East. too much, but <laughs> I think this let's is say the, he goes into business. Beginning. He goes into business with, well, um, uh, a Chinese man that he meets um, by chance. Um, and there is some delicious looking food in it. There is some amazing looking food <laughs> in it. That's all I'll say. Yeah. Um, if we could talk really briefly about the new Almodovar film, I know it's a film a lot of people are excited to see. Mm. I thought it was a beautiful movie. Um, I wrote a feature about it in the new film comment, so I don't really have to say much more about it, but I, I was, um, I was really moved by this one. I think that a lot of his movies 
of, certainly over the past 10 or 15 years have these kind of fixed points, these anchor points, and then they circle out ar around them and they become these kind of um, timeless, say, chronological films. And this one does that as well. I think mm -hmm. it's, it's probably yeah, to sort of kaleidoscopic effect, like, yeah. uh, structures. Yeah, um, I mean, it, it was described as his eight and a half. I don't think that that's quite accurate. I mean, it is a film about a filmmaker, but it takes so many surprising turns and... and goes down so many interesting byways that it becomes that that side of it becomes you know it's beside the point there's not really a film within the film there's a play within the mm -hmm. film um but it's really a very very moving reflection on age and aging um antonio banderas is just incredible yeah another great that's performance, that's a great performance think, I mean, but so is the performance by we shouldn't give it away but and then the name of the, I, I'm not going to remember the name of the actor who's also in Wasp Network by Olivier Ass. Leonardo the Spara, Spara Yeah, Hilo. the Argentinian actor, but boy, he's great. That's a fantastic scene. Amazing. That's yeah. that's maybe the the scene of the film. Yeah. And a film that has a lot of scenes. I, we should also say that you know Pedro Almodovar designed one of the most beautiful posters we've ever had yeah. for us oh, this year. I, so, oh yes, it's beautiful. One of yeah. our best posters. Yeah. Well. Um, which also reminds me, we should mention that this year's New York Film Festival is dedicated to Agnes Varda, who died earlier this year. And yep. um, her final film is showing in the main slate. Um, if you could kind of give people a little idea of what that is. It's, 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 it's sort of like a career summation in a way. Well, Agnes has been, I think for the last three, four years, she's been giving talks to at film festivals and, and schools with students and young filmmakers. And she's been showing clips from her work and talking about her craft and her art in very, very precise terms and very moving terms and um, in, in a manner that's extremely um, encouraging and loving, but that's also very, you know, um, uh, stark in terms of just saying what you need to give um to the movie and um i actually saw her do such a talk in marrakesh in december and she was um you know i, I knew that she was sick but boy she was just 100 percent there and um she was just giving it her all and that was really pretty much the last her last public appearance and um uh the film really it's her. It just really feels like her. And it's a really rare thing that somebody was able to make a film like that, thanks to Arte. Um, and so, um, of course, we're dedicating the festival to Agnes. How could we not? I mean, she's one of the major, she's one of the great artists in, in, in the history of the, of the medium. She's had a film in every decade of the festival, mm, I believe. That's right, including most recently Faces Places. Yeah. But I think the film also makes you really want to go back to see all her, all her other films. Yeah, you know, and that's I, true. Which is why we're doing, doing a retrospective, a retrospective later. in December. Yeah. Um, we'll be showing um, all her work um, in December after after Varda by Agnes opens. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's nothing like seeing those films on the big screen. Like a film like Murmurs, for example, this absolutely wonderful documentary. Well, this, you need to see those murals on a big screen. Yeah. It, it, they're just such enveloping well, work. Well, so you go back and watch La Pointe Court, her first film, and I mean, she she invented her own cinema. That yeah, film is so ahead of its time. It's yeah, and, she, and she didn't know, you know, talk to anybody. I mean, you know, she just like, you know, went ahead and this was her 
from watching movies, this was her idea of how to make a movie. And it's just, I, I find that deeply moving mm-hmm. um, as well as her, you know, for instance, she made a beautiful statement about writing and people, she's saying people talk about writing the script. It's like, you know, as if that were the writing part and then the filmmaking part were separate wrong film is all writing. Cine écriture is what she calls it film writing, but that's writing from, you know, the first time that you pick up your pen to the last moment that you leave the mix. And um, quite right. Um, there are obviously more films in the main slate than we can than we can completely get to, um, and there are so many great other sections of the festival that I mm-hmm. do want to touch upon. But before we before we move on from main slate, is there something else? Is there like maybe a, a particular film each that you want to bring up to make sure people don't miss? God, there's so much more. Uh, yeah, there's a lot. Well, mm-hmm. I I would I'll, I'll just touch on two two things. Um, I, w- I won't really dwell on individual films, but I'm excited about having filmmakers who are new to the festival, who are new to the main slate. And I think that's really important for, mm-hmm. you know, you think of festivals as sort of having like sort of pantheon filmmakers who are like, you know, and, and we and we actually take pride in showing like, you know, the the new Pedro Costa, the new Olivia Asias, the filmmakers we, we believe in and we, and we want to, you know, follow their evolution. But, it's also important to have, I think, um, to introduce audiences to new filmmakers. And there's, uh, we've mentioned Mati Diop as our first feature, but there are filmmakers. Angola Shanalek. Yeah, several films into their career. Yeah. Um, quite a few this year, actually. I've already mentioned Pietro Marcello. Martin Eden is, I think, one, one of my favorite films of the year. Um, Angola Shanalek um, is you know, an important figure in German cinema. And I think this is a kind of a, a, a breakthrough work for her, one that's uh, I think will reach a wider audience. Um, people like Koji Fukada and Federico Viraj, who've been making films, like the five or six films into their career, really interesting filmmakers um, who, yeah, I hope people will discover them. Kantemir Balogov, another one. Russian filmmaker who's not yet 30, like incredibly mm. impressive. Justine um, Trier. Justine Trier, yeah. So mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of people are new to the festival, mm. um, and something that somebody mentioned to me that I didn't really think of because we don't really, th- you know, we don't really think of themes as we're putting the the slate together. But we're really happy for themes and correspondences to emerge. And there's just a, a, a sense that the films, somebody mentioned the sort of the more genre or genre inflected films than usual. And I'm not sure I really see that but i guess if you look at you know clever mendonca philo's film bakurao uh betran bonello's zombie child bong joon ho's parasite these are all films that are i think in conversation with genre in really interesting ways and we haven't talked about any of those mm-hmm. um the whistlers by cornelia Poranboyu, yeah Loyer, saturday yeah. fiction i think these yeah. are all films that like are really very you mentioned pedro is a filmmaker who has like a, a real sense of film history i think this is true of all these films i think these are films that are all like working within certain genres and like you know reviving them or subverting them in some way yeah i mean I, you could call the opening night film a gangster movie although yeah. <laughs> that doesn't really you know and then you could also say to a certain degree the same with closing night film mother was brooklyn you know in addition to that you know but when you start calling for instance you know Arnaud Depochon's movie Oh Mercy a police procedural then you start getting into that 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 becomes um that's too that that doesn't cover what that film is really um and just to say just to kind of um go back to what you're saying about the great performances of the festival I think Oh Mercy the Depochon film has a trio of astonishing performances 
I think people should Four, really. I mean, you know, when you, when you think about the, both cops and both women, I mean, really. I was thinking about the two women and... And um, Rushdie Zem is the police chief. He's, 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 he's always been a great actor. And this is really um, his greatest role, I think. Yeah, real compelling work all yeah. the way through that. Yeah. Um, I, and one more shout out from me. If I had to pick one movie that could fall through the cracks for some people that I think people should see, it's called Fire Will Come. Mm, and By Oliver Lacks, that's, you know, who's been in the festival before, but not in the main slate. This movie, I think, is going to be a revelation yeah. for people. Maybe yeah. the best opening and closing sequence <laughs> in the festival, actually. You know, I, really I, amazing. It, yeah. I, I, there's no way that someone will have bought a ticket for Fire Will Come and have regretted it. Yeah, <laughs> it's also, an experience. Extremely, that's another film that's extremely beautiful. Uh, brilliant DP. Um, I'll give a shout out to his DP, uh, Mauro Harris, who also shot a film called uh, Endless Night, which is by another uh, Spanish, another Galician filmmaker, Eloy Enciso, um, that is in projections. Well, that gives us a good segue, actually, to projections. Sure. So a little bit more about Endless Night would be great, actually, because I, I was hearing such great things about it um, up in Toronto. And, and also explain what projections is, of course. Sure. Um, projections. Um, I work with um, Eileen Nash uh, on the section. It's um, it's evolved over the years. This was previously known as Views from the Avant Garde, which is the festival's um, you know home for exp- experimental cinema. And I think what we've tried to do in the last few years is expand our sense of what is experimental. So you know, experimental approaches to narrative and documentary, uh, in addition to f- uh, works that are more in what we would think of as the avant-garde tradition. Um, so it's a mix of, uh, I think we have about, don't know the exact number, something like six sh- six features and six shorts programs. The features include, um, as I've mentioned, End- Endless Night by Eloy and Ciso. This is his long-awaited follow-up to um, a feature he made a few years ago called Arianos. Um, um, we, Mauro Hearst's cinematography here is is really uh, extraordinary. Um, a film that deals with, I think, political history uh, in a very surprising way. A, f- a film that you might see as sort of having points of contact with the work of uh, Strabhuye, uh, possibly Pedro Costa as well. Um, Eric Baudelaire, uh, who we've shown in projections before and in Art of the Real, um, is a French artist filmmaker. And this is a really fascinating um uh experiment um a really fascinating collaboration uh called uh in film dramatique uh dramatic film uh he shot it over a period of four years with um uh a group of um middle schoolers in paris and much of the film is actually shot by the kids um so it's a really uh funny um and surprising and I think intelligent sort of like meditation on the nature of of collaboration um, beautifully edited by um, Claire Atherton who was um, Chantal Ackerman's uh, regular editor Um, there's a Another feature that I'll quickly mention is uh, Thomas Heise's Heimat is a Space and Time uh, this monumental essay film about personal history national history 20th century German history Heise is um, uh, a pretty underseen, I think, but major uh, German documentarian. We're really happy to have him in the festival for the first time. And then we have the shorts programs, um, we, which I think include, you know, 
a lot of people who have shown um, with us before, including people like Ben Russell, um, Beatrice Gibson, Zachary Epcar, Joshua Salons, but also a few uh, people who are, uh, uh, sorry, Kevin Jerome Everson and Claudrina Harold, um, but also people who uh, I think were new to us um, and, and, and um, I think will be new to our audiences as well. It's always such a great section for discoveries. Every year, people are always talking about something amazing they've seen. So, we will also have just quickly mentioned a tribute program, uh, a free tribute program to um, the filmmaker Jonathan Schwartz, whose work we showed um, many times over the years, and um, who passed away nearly a year, about a year ago. Um, and um, we're happy to be showing all his work on sixteen millimeter. And we will have two uh, free. Um, two films, two videos that will be looping for free in the amphitheater over the course of the projections weekend, which is the middle weekend of the festival. Great. Um, I just to switch gears a little bit, Kent. Um, I'm pretty excited about some of the films in the revival section. I think there's one film that we're both particularly excited about, <laughs> um, as since we're both big William Wyler fans, and that would be Dodsworth. Yeah. Um, this is a new restoration. It is a new restoration. You know, I was, I was talking to Margaret Bodie from Film Foundation to ask about what restorations they had this year and she said well we've got this and we've got that and we've and there's Dodsworth and she can say she can tell you you know confirm the fact that I actually gasped spontaneously <laughs> because it's just it's it's a movie that I watch at least once a year mm. and um have for quite a long time and I find it to be um so many different things one incredibly wise, incredibly frank about what can go on between men and women and in between couples and um, uh, and extremely um, frank in a way that other films of the period often are not. Um, uh, exactly. That's exactly how I feel when I watch it. It also... You know, it has some of the greatest sequences. It, it's got talk about a great ending. I mean, you know, the, the, <laughs> the, but but it's it's um, and it's interesting because uh, Kenny Lonergan, when it, when I did a director's dialogue with him when he was here for Manchester by the Sea, was talking about we're talking about you know films that he loved, and he said, "Well, there's Dodsworth," and you know, he said, "I I, I adore that film," and Kenny's actually going to come and introduce the screening. And oh, Wyler's daughters will be here for conversation afterward. But, um, you know, Kenny said it's based on a novel by Sinclair Lewis and also based nominally on the play based on the novel by Sidney Howard. And Kenny said, well, I've, I've read the play. I've read about half the novel. I can say that the movie is better than either of them. Um, and part of that has to do with the fact that Walter Houston just mm. is, you know, I mean, one of the great actors in the history of the, of cinema. Um, and it's, uh, I think it would make a great pair with Marriage Story. It would have made a great pair with Marriage Story, and it does make a great pair with Marriage Story. So, you know, no no issue there. Yeah. Um, there's also uh, a new restoration of films that are very, very, very close to my heart by Vittorio De Seta, um, short films that he shot in, in Italy. Uh, I'm 35, I believe, in color um, in in the 50s. Not Vittorio De Sica, Vittorio De Seta, who made Bandits Over Girl Solo. Um, and he um, shot in places and, and filmed activities that were basically, you know, uh, he, he went to places where there were ways of life that were just disappearing, uh, and he put them on film, um, you know, uh, from 
um, tuna fisher, fishermen off Sicily, which recalls, you know, the, the Rossellini movie Stromboli, of course, to um, uh, shepherds in Sardinia, to uh, people in, in, in Sicily living in the shadow of a volcano. I mean, really, uh, mm-hmm. truly breathtaking movies. Yeah, t- we, I think we use the word immersive a lot when we talk about movies, but yeah. there's, really, <laughs> there's really nothing like these films. No, 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 there is. They're precious, precious movies. Um, one other thing in revivals before we move on is Jazz on a Summer's Day, mm. which is another movie that um, is one of those films that no matter who sees it, if you haven't seen it before, your jaw will drop. Mm. It's gorgeous. I mean, you know, it's a film shot in color, Newport Jazz Festival. Um, and I mean, you know, yeah, you're watching Mahalia Jackson, Louis Armstrong. I mean, Jimmy Jufri trio. It's 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 incredible movie by Bert Stern. Yeah, I mean, th- this is a film that I had heard about for a long time, mm-hmm. and s- it somehow escaped me that it was shot in color. Yeah, well, it certainly is shot in color. Revelation. Boy. Yeah, wow. It's it's really something. Yeah. Um, and then we have the retrospective section, which is um, which sometimes is based around a filmmaker or, um, or a particular actor, but this year it's a little different. Yeah, it's a celebration of the 100th anniversary of... Um, um, the ASC, the the cinematographers, not union. Um, it's 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 the the association, and they. Um, uh, so you know, I mean, the films that we've selected for the retrospective, you know, it's, it's a drop in the bucket, and I mean, you know, the the, the there's so many amazing artists uh, who worked in that field. Um, so you know, we chose a handful of films. One of the things that we're doing is um, showing um, a Technicolor print of Godfather 2. I can't vouch for the condition of the print, but I can vouch for the condition of the color. Um, And that was the last film ever struck in Technicolor um, in the United States. And I remember seeing it when it came out on Christmas Day in 1974. Um, Not shot in Technicolor, struck in Technicolor. Then all the equipment was sold off to um, China. But... um, it was it was a staggering experience, and as great as it looks since it's been restored, it's it's a little different to experience it that way. So, it's it's a retrospective that's devoted to the craft of cinematography, and there will be a panel discussion led by David Schwartz um, um, with cinematographers, and I don't have the exact date in my head. One of whom is Rodrigo Prieto. Um, I, one other thing I wanted to say, since you mentioned Godfather Part Two, is that Coppola will be here. But Coppola for will be else. here for f- a special event that we're doing, which is his recut version of Cotton Club, and that's a film that I'm really happy to see recut because when it came out, everyone focused on all the sturm and drung behind the scenes of that movie. You know, from Robert Evans to God knows what else. You know, and that's a movie that I think. Um, I'm I'm really happy that he went back to because it was a film that was where every sequence was glorious, but you felt like there was something that wasn't quite there in the original release in 1984. And a lot of what has gone back into it is is dancing, more dancing. I mean, you know, the musical numbers in the film are just beautiful. Right, and this film was uh, with Gregory Hines and Richard Gere. Yes, so people, Diane people Lane, but also an incredible cast. I mean, you know, Julian Beck is in the film. Joe D'Alessandro played Lucky Luciano. Bob Hoskins, Fred Gwynn, um, Lynette McKee, um, and a lot of old tap dancers who are doing their thing and who are absolutely amazing. 
Well, I mean, that's a really exciting event. Yeah. So we have our spotlight and documentary section. Is there a, something that really jumps out at you from this section that you wanted to push? A lot of films jump out. I mean, you know, we're show, it's it's always been a really robust um, section. And I mean, you know, uh, I could talk about, for instance, the parent, you know, there's Lynn Novick's um, series, Prison Behind Bars, and you know, or College Behind Bars, rather. That was incredible. Uh, and then, you know, there's also Tim Robbins' film, 45 Seconds of Laughter, which is about an acting group in, in, in prison. And I mean, you know, he's been, really devoted to um, working with prisoners since he made Dead Man Walking back in the late 90s. And so, you know, that's that's a long-term passion project of his. There's um, um, film about Roy Cohn um, by Ivy Mirpol that's extremely personal and, and really cuts deep mm-hmm. and is very different from from the other film about um, Roy Cohn. You could have a lot of movies about Roy Cohn and never even begin to touch bottom. So to speak, because <laughs> um, uh, it's all bottom. Yeah, kind of. One I more. would I would just point out Sergei Loznitsa's state, uh, yeah. state funeral. He's, I think he's a really interesting filmmaker because he you know, moves between fiction and documentary, and even within documentary, sometimes he is you know works as a documentarian, but he also has this body of work that's archival. Um, and uh, this is um, footage of um, Stalin's, Stalin's funeral. funeral, and 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 it. There's some pretty amazing stuff in this film. Yeah, it actually kind of crosses paths with um, the autobiography of Nikolai Ceausescu mm-hmm. by, by um, Andrei Uzhikov, yeah. which which we showed quite a yeah, few years the back. Yeah, kept on coming into my head while I was watching this. Yeah. Just yeah. the complete absurdity of the pageantry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's really it's, it's really a great section this year. Um, before we wrap up, is there anything generally about the festival you want you want people to take away, see, not miss? I would I just encourage people so to pick a film that they have not heard of or a filmmaker they have not yeah. heard of. That would be the way to, that's, I think, the best way to do yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's, I, I think that that's a really good point. You know, we don't want people to come and just see what they know and what they love. We want people to come and, and, and have experiences. It doesn't matter, you know, what you think of it is, is, you know, or how you react to it is something, is another question. But it's great to come and, and see things, you know, encounter things for the first time even if you're it's like throwing a dart at a board you know and hitting because they're films that we all responded to and in some way mm-hmm. we know that you will too that's the reason that i always have loved coming um it's an exciting time of year thank you for speaking with me and we'll see you soon and next year thank thanks you. michael you've been listening to the film at lincoln center podcast our opening music is by steelism you can subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify. Film at Lincoln Center is a nonprofit arts organization based in New York City and supported by individuals just like you. For 50 years, we've been dedicated to supporting the art and elevating the craft of cinema and enriching film culture through the programming of festivals, series, retrospectives, and new releases. The publication of Film Comment, the presentation of podcasts, talks, and special events, the creation and implementation of artist initiatives, and our film and education curriculum and screenings. To learn more about what we do and support Film at Lincoln Center by becoming a member, visit filmlink.org. That's F-I-L-M-L-I-N-C dot org.